You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Built Jesus Tough, Part 2. Enjoy. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Thank you for your presence right here, right now in this place. You've already been moving since we began. We thank you that you're continuing to minister and strengthen hearts right now. Thank you, Father, for showing yourself strong this morning, for healing, for delivering, for setting free in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. 2016, we're in April. We've begun the second quarter. This is the year of God's promises. This is a year where we're building our lives on the promises of God. In other words, we're making daily decisions not based on what we've been through, not based on how people have treated us, but based on the promises God has made to us through Christ. It's a different way of living. So the past is no longer our frame of reference. It's behind us. The only thing I, I really like to recollect in my past are the, are the things that God's done in my life. But all the other stuff is behind us. And you know what? Man, in trying to heal your past, will try and take you back to your past and get you to relive it over and over and over again. That doesn't work. It's behind you. You go forward. You can't go back and change it. God wants to make you whole and take you forward. So we're building our lives in 2016 on the promises of God. We're making decisions based on who he is, what he's done for us through Christ, and who we are in him. And when you start doing this, when you start living this way, things begin to change. And God, the plan of God becomes very clear, and you realize that God wants to take you higher, that God wants to expand and increase you. So inevitably, when you begin making decisions in your life based on God's promises, not what people say, then construction begins. Renovation begins, reconstruction, new construction, expansion begins, and you'll begin to see things, beliefs and ways of thinking that really don't line up with who God is. So as I put my faith in God's promises, I, I begin to discard wrong beliefs and wrong thinking. And in place of those wrong beliefs and that wrong thinking, the God's promise becomes fixed and firm. We're installing the promises of God in our hearts and minds, and wrong beliefs and wrong thinking are going to be exposed and removed. I like how 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says it in the message translation. We use our powerful God tools. Woo! How many people like going to Lowe's and Home Depot? What are our powerful God tools? God's promises. Right? Not, not a power saw, right? His promises. We use our powerful God tools for what? Smashing warped philosophies. You want to hear a warped philosophy? Some people may freak out at this one. Here's a warped philosophy, that as you grow older, your health deteriorates. That's a warped philosophy. Smash that thing with the promises of God. 
We're not going to go into that too deep today, but we are going into that in this series. Where did that come from? Well, my grandma and grand, I mean, so and so, and I've seen. Ah, we don't base what we believe on what we've seen or what we've been through or our family history or family tree. We're basing on the promises of God in the old covenant. We're not in the old covenant anymore. We're in the new covenant. A man named Moses lived to uh, 120 years old. God, God shortened the days of man because of the, the, the destruction and things that were going on in the earth, the evil that was in man's heart. He said man's days on earth will be 120 years. He never, he didn't go less, he's not 80, 70, 60, 50, 120, okay? That's just days on earth. This is not our home, right? We're going to be with him forever. This earth is not going to last forever. But Moses lived 120 years in the old covenant, and his strength was not lessened at all. As strong at 120 as he was at 20 and 30 and 40. His eyes were not dim. Caleb in the old covenant. He went in to spy the promised land at the age of 40. He was only one of two out of 12 who believed God. And as a result of their unbelief and their hard hearts, they had to wander in the desert for another 40 years because they just wouldn't grab a hold of God's promises. But Caleb stayed true to God. And at 85 years old, Moses had already gone home, had already passed. 85 years old, Caleb comes to Joshua and says, I'm as strong now as I was at 40. Give me my mountain. And he went to war at 85 and got his land back. Right? I was just sharing with a friend this week. I I, I, uh, learned of a 91-year-old bodybuilder. God doesn't know the Lord as far as I can tell. He does not standing on the promises of God. But at 85, this guy said, he said, at 85, I went through a crisis. I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, I'm, I'm just too flabby. I've got to get in shape. 85. And he began, he began bodybuilding. Right? And I saw a picture of him, 91. He's like a chisel chest, you know? 91 years old. Another guy, 83-year-old bodybuilder. Entered bodybuilding, I think, at the age of 80, and they didn't, didn't even have a category for his age group. Yeah. These are people, as far as I can tell, they don't know anything about what promises of God. They just made up their mind they're going to be strong, regardless of what came against them. So we're going to see things that are radically going to transform the way you think. All right? It's a whole different way of living when your frame of reference is what God has done for you through Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're smashing these warped philosophies. Anything that doesn't agree with the finished work of Christ doesn't belong. We're smashing it. We're tearing down barriers. So what happens if I believe that as I get older, my health's going to deteriorate? I begin to expect that. See, if you think that sickness and age are are correlated, have you ever been to a children's hospital? What about that now? So sickness goes with being young or being old. No, sickness came from the curse, and we're redeemed from it. And you'll learn about that on Wednesday nights more. Hallelujah. So we're tearing down these barriers. So these wrong philosophies, they put a barrier up in my life that keep me from experiencing what God wants to do in my life. Because I'm expecting now that I'm going to have Alzheimer's at a certain age, or, or I'm, you know, my memory's deteriorating. This. I'm expecting that. I'm just being hypothetical here. Is that a word, Hypothetical. Right? If I'm expecting these things, I'm opening the door to them. 
I'm saying, here I am. Come get me, right? And, they're, and it's keeping a barrier between me and the health that God has provided for me. But we're smashing them with the promises of God. We're fitting every loose thought, every one. Boy, we're, 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 we're um, vigilant, aren't we? Right? We're passionate about this. Every, we don't let loose thoughts run in our minds. We're fitting every loose thought and emotion. Everyone and every impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. That's what we're doing in this series. It's called Built Jesus Tough. Hallelujah. We're built Jesus tough at Highway Church. No one's tougher than Jesus. You know they tried to kill him multiple times, even when he was a baby. You remember Herod, right? He gave a decree to kill all children two and under in Bethlehem and the coasts around it. Wow, but didn't get Jesus, right? Do you know when Jesus began his ministry in Luke chapter 4, he walks into the temple, he opens up the scroll of Isaiah, he reads it and says, this prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I'm the Messiah. They got so mad at him. They carried him out of the temple to the edge of the city to throw him over a cliff. You can read it in Luke. And he just walked right through him. Even when they arrested him, they came to arrest him, the soldiers. He had no weapons that they could see, right? They came to arrest him in John 18, and he told them who he was, and they fell down on the ground. He had to give them the strength to get up and arrest him. He had to give them the strength to beat him, to persecute him, to crucify him, right? No one suffered than Jesus. No one could stop him from fulfilling his God-given destiny. And that's you and me. We're built Jesus tough. A life built on the promises of God is a life built Jesus tough. So we said, we started last Sunday with this new series, and we said there's only two steps to becoming Jesus tough. Just two. That's, that's simple. Number one, we said last week, is making God the Father your all in all. That's step number one. Making God the Father your all in all. In other words, you have made your personal relationship with God the consuming passion of your life. It, it, you, it doesn't compete with your relationship with your spouse, with your children. No one comes close to you and him. Okay? That's number one. And number two is then you build your life on his promises. That's it. Step one, make God the Father your all in all. And step two, build your life on his promises. We saw that this was the quote-unquote secret of Jesus, step number one. That even as a boy in Luke chapter 2, can we put that up there? Verse, uh, what is it, 49? But even as a boy, Jesus made this decision at a very early age. He said, did you not know to his parents that I have made a decision my whole life's going to be about my heavenly father. I must be about my father's business. Now, just be real here. Did you make that decision yet? Have you decided that your whole life is going to be about knowing him? I mean that he is the reason for everything you do and don't do. <laughs> It's so good. That's when life really begins. And Jesus said this as our example. 
right? He's demonstrating to us where life is, how life is to be lived. So we've made this conscious decision that from now on, we get up in the morning because we want to know him. We have breakfast because we want to know him, right? We, we work where we work. We, we're in relationships with the people in relation because we want to know him more. So it governs our lives. It moves us to do certain things and to not do certain things. It's this intimacy with him. Knowing him is the meaning of life. It really is. I like how Jeremiah said it. We looked at this last week. Let's pull it up one more time. Jeremiah 9, 23. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast of his might, let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. That's when life begins. That is the meaning of life. Hallelujah. Jesus defines life in this way. This is Jesus' definition of life. John 17, 3. Put that up there. And this is eternal life. That they may know you. That word there is know is the, the, uh, the idiom for the way in which a husband knows his wife that they may know you. Same word that Mary used when speaking to Gabriel. How am I going to have a child seeing that I've known not a man? Right? Same word in speaking of Joseph when he said that he knew not Mary until she had Jesus. This is eternal life that they might know you. I love that. It's the same word that Paul used. Actually, let's look at the Amplified of John 17, 3. I like what the Amplified says. This is what it means. It means to know, to perceive, to recognize, to become acquainted with, and understand you. (laughs) That's life. That's life. That's eternal life that no one can take away. To know, to perceive, to recognize, to become acquainted with, and understand the one who made you. Do you know him that way? It's time. It's time to know him better than your best friend. It's time to know his voice in your life. It's time for the darkness and the confusion to end. It's time to hear the voice of your father and let him lead you and guide you forward into the fullness of his purpose for your life. That word no, same no, K-N-O-W that Paul used in Philippians 3.10. Paul tells us that he he compared everything in his life, all the things that he once thought were worthwhile, and he realized that they were dung compared to knowing God the Father, to knowing Jesus. In fact, he said, I've thrown all these things away that I might know you, Philippians 3.10. Let's put it up there. Yeah. Uh, anything that I used to think worthwhile, worthwhile, the things that I thought were important to me, I've put them all aside that I may know him. Same word in John 17, 3. This is eternal life that I may know. Same word in, in Luke with Mary and Matthew with Joseph that I might know him 
intimacy between a husband and wife. Which brings us to our memory scripture. Philippians 3.10. How you guys doing? I'm going to test someone. I told you there'd be a prize. Don't put that up there yet. You didn't, we don't want to see it. Who can recite for me Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified, the beginning that we had up last week? Who can, who can do it? You'll get a prize. Anyone at all? Philippians 3.10. i give you a hint. It starts with four. I know you. It's not like, no, you're not, you're not eligible for this prize. <laughs> Anyone at all? Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you're going to miss out on a good prize. Okay. All right. I'll hold it for next time then. You sure? No one knows it. Okay. Let's put it up there. This is it. This is our focus now at Highway Church. This is what we're all about. Not religion. Relationship. Right? For my determined purpose. Let's say it together. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. It's what motivates me to memorize scripture. Right? To set aside time to learn the word because I want to know him. Right? When, I'm, when it's really the passion of my life, the way I spend my time is going to change. I'll begin to devote time to the things that are important to him. The scripture is important, isn't it? For my determined purpose is if you're too busy to meditate on the word, you're too busy. Your concept of life needs adjusted. Because you're missing out. It, it's not hard to go days without being in the Word, right? You just got to get up. And life has stuff to do, right? There's lots to do in a day. You have to purpose to get in the Word. You've got to purpose to know the Word. Knowing the Father is knowing the Word. They're one and the same. Right? This is why people misunderstand the Bible so much. Because they're not in an intimate relationship with the author of it. You won't have to be hunting and, and asking people questions. When you know the one who wrote it, you'll understand it. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. You remember I was talking with Alan, and Alan was sharing me the difference between um, trial lawyers and appeal lawyers. Is that it, Alan? Yeah. And it was the appeal lawyers that kind of have a problem with the trial lawyers, right? Because they read the, the transcripts of the trial and they say, you guys don't talk in complete sentences. And Alan was saying, well, listen, we're, you're, you're not there. You're not hearing the inflection of our voices. You're not, in the, you know, you're not in the mood of the moment. You know, the Bible's not written in complete sentences. It's not. It's people speaking in real life by the Holy Spirit. So you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to get four different perspectives of what happened. You've heard of 3D. Well, you get Jesus in 4D. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you have four people witnessing something, you'll get four different accounts of it. Not, no, I'm not talking about falsehood. I'm just talking about different perspectives of the same thing. We live in real life. We don't live in complete sentences. We don't speak in perfect grammar. So people want to read the Bible and, and read it through, the, through grammar school glasses. And, well, that's not a complete sentence. That wasn't said right. This isn't right. What's that mean? you got to know the heart of the one who's speaking. When you know the heart of the one who's speaking, everything changes. And you begin to understand what's being said. you got to know the heart of the author. So, for my determined purpose is that I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. 
perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and clearly. Let's do it together. Ready? For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. This is our heart. Ready? Let's do it one more time. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Amen. You know what I've found in my life over the years? When I notice I'm starting to get kind of tired and weak, and, 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 and edgy, I know I need time with the Lord. I know I haven't had enough time with Him. In the midst of a schedule that seems impossible to set aside the time I think I need, I do it anyway. And it's amazing the changes that take place. And you, begin, you say, okay, regardless of what needs to get done, what the demands are on my life, I, I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend time alone with you as long as I need, whatever time you set. And it's amazing the strength that will come, the peace that will come, and you'll be able to do more than you could before and do it with peace and strength and wisdom. Hallelujah. So this is it. This is what we're all about. This is the meaning of life. It's step number one. Hallelujah. I like how Jesus said it in Matthew 6, 33. You remember that? He said, if you live a life in the message translation, he said, if you, live, if you decide for God, if you live a life of God worship, in other words, if relationship with him is a consuming passion of your life, you're going to live a life that's free, that's unfettered, that's not tied down to a job description, a life that's careless in the care of God. Doesn't that sound good? That sounds better than a cruise, doesn't it? This is a, a free, unfettered life where you're not strapped to the labels of man. You're careless in the care of God, where you're walking with the one who made you, and he's speaking to you, and you're receiving from him, and he's leading and guiding you forward, and you're becoming the person. You're doing the things that God called you to do. Hallelujah. And then he, he winds it up in verse 33. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. And we got to that last week. Now, where, what does steep mean? You guys remember? Soak in like a tea bag, right? Immerse yourself in, saturate yourself with, right? How are you going to do that? Where do you go to find God reality? God provisions, God initiative. Where do we find those things? His promises. Step number two, right? Where are you going to find God reality, God initiative? In his promises. So as, as people who've made knowing him the priority of, our, priority of our lives, his promises now become a priority. We, we go to his promises to discover God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. So now we're in step two. So we move from step one to step two. There's only two steps. 
right? Step one is make God the Father your all in all. And, and in order to do that, you've got to know his promises. Or once you've done that, once you've committed to that, it'll lead you to his promises. And step number two is build your life on God's promises. Did I say Second Peter chapter 1? Are you ready for this? Now, can you handle this? Are you sure? This is straight from the Bible. This is pure, uh, pure milk right here, pure life. Grace and peace. What's grace? God's riches at Christ's expense, right? And peace. What's peace? Wholeness, well-being, health, prosperity. Be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. You guys see that? Am I in the way? Verse 3, seeing that his divine power has been locked away and will never get to it. No, seeing that his divine power has, is that future tense or past tense? Past tense. Has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Are you telling me that God has given to me everything pertaining to life and godliness? Yes. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge, it's got to be true knowledge, right, of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Let's keep reading. For by these he has granted, is that future tense or past? Past tense. It means he's already done it. He has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. King James says exceeding great. His exceeding great promises. He's given them to us. Why has he done that? We don't have to wonder. Right? We don't have to speculate. The Bible tells us. He did that so that by them, by what? His precious and magnificent promises, you may become partakers of His nature. Sounds to me like He wants to know you. Like He wants you to taste and experience Him. He's given us his precious and magnificent promises so that we could experience him having escaped the corruption. Is that past tense or future tense? Past. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Hallelujah. Boy, this is so good. The message says it this way, verse 4. Speaking of his promises, it says they are your tickets to participation in the life of God. Whew. You ever tried to get in without your tickets? You got to have them. God's promises are your tickets to experiencing Him. I've got a golden ticket. Yeah. God's promises are your access to Him. When you put your faith in what He's done for you, it opens the door to who He is in your life.
you're only as strong as the promise you're standing on. Now listen, whether you know the promises of God or not, you're believing something. We all believe stuff. Every human being on planet earth, regardless of, you know, whether they know Christ or not, believes something. Do you want to know something? Your beliefs are the foundation of your life. Can we put that? Oh, I didn't put it in there. I don't think I did. There's not a pyramid in there. I want to show them here. I forgot to put it in there. I had a little picture of a pyramid. But if, it, if you drew a pyramid of, of how we're made, there, and it was split into three levels, there'd be a little teeny tiny tip of the pyramid. And do you know what that tip would be? That'd be our actions. A little tip way up here. And that's really the only part that's seen is our actions. The middle layer, which is much bigger of the pyramid, would be our values. But the biggest layer, the bottom layer of the pyramid, the foundation, is our beliefs. What we believe. That's how we're made. What we believe becomes the foundation of our lives. So if you don't know the promises of God, your foundation is not sure. You've got a faulty foundation. And when you're buying a home, what's one of the most important things you check? The foundation. Guess what? You've got a home. You're living in it. You've got a life to live. Have you checked your foundation? Have you called the home inspector? Say, Holy Spirit, shine the light of Christ to my foundation and illuminate any cracks or holes and things that need to be replaced. I'm telling you, there are a lot of Christians with very shaky foundations because they believed man's religious doctrine instead of the promises of God. And Jesus gives us an example of what happens in Matthew chapter 7. Let's take a look at this. So our, our relationship with the Father is the passion of our lives, not religion on that, right? We want to know him. And because of that, we realize that we need to embrace his promises because his promises reveal to us who he is, his reality, his provision, his initiative. So Matthew chapter 7, we'll start in verse 24. Jesus is talking. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Can you imagine buying a house and you go down and you look at the foundation and it's all sand? But deals off, right? Deals off. But that's like living your life without knowing the promises of God. That's what you're doing. You'd never buy a house that way. Why live your life that way? It's like a, a foolish man who's built his house on sand. The rain came down. Look at this. The same thing happened to this man who didn't know the promises of God to a man who did know the promises of God. Same thing happened. We're living in the same world, same devil, right? 
the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash, but different results, right? The man who had a foundation in what God had done for him through Christ came out untouched, unscathed. The one who put his, his trust in his own philosophies and religious tradition crashed. I like how the message says it. Are you ready for this? These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Some people treat the word of God like curtains or something. You know, I'll put, it, I'll put a little scripture up over here, you know. It's like a curtain in your home instead of the foundation of your home. They're not homeowner improvements to our standard of living. They're foundational words. They're not a, God's words, not an accoutrement, a decoration that we have in our lives. It's our foundation. They're foundational words. They're words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, it requires you effort. You've got to make the time to do it. God's promises will not automatically happen in your life. They won't. You have to choose to plant them and build them into your life purposefully. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Next verse. Rain poured down. The river flooded. A tornado hit. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Christians over my life say, I don't know why this happened. Because you're living on planet Earth. And Satan's your adversary and he's the God of this world. How ignorant. Rain poured down. The river flooded. A tornado hit. But nothing moved that house. Nothing moved that house. Nothing will move you when you've built your life on who he is and what he's done for you in Christ. Nothing moved that house. It was fixed on the rock. Nothing moved. My heart is fixed, oh God. My heart is fixed. I will bless your name, Psalm. I think that's Psalm 57, 7. But if you, oh, there it is. Thank you. My heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. I will sing, pray. Is your heart fixed in his promises? You know when you fix your heart in his promises? Not when it's raining. When it's a beautiful day and you get alone with him. Can you imagine trying to build the foundation of a home in a tornado? Do you think the crew would come? No. So many people try and do that. It's all something, something bad happens, and now they're trying to build a foundation. Oh, where's those promises? Oh, where, let me listen to a message. Oh, what'd you say that is? And, uh, uh, the, the rain's falling, man. The time to build your foundation is when the sun is shining. That's when the construction crews come out and work. It's a beautiful day today. Are you going to be in his word today? Just asking. I'll tell you, as a pastor... Just being real with you, I don't know, when I start in 99, how many years is that? All the mathematicians can help me out. But I'll tell you the difference in ministering to people in difficult situations who've already built the promises into their lives and who haven't is catastrophic. 
catastrophic. And whether it's a physical situation or emotional, whatever, when you're ministering to someone, and they've been going to church for years, but it's an accoutrement. You know, the, the Bible is this little thing. They, oh, yeah, that's God's word. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, I can sing Jesus loves me, you know. But it's not the part of the foundation. And to try and minister to them and help them in the midst of that, man, it, it's like, I don't know. It, 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 you just feel like you're walking in, in 10 feet of mud and trying to pull them along with you. But when you're ministering and helping someone in a difficult situation and they've spent time building the promises of God into their lives, man, you feel like an eagle getting ready to soar. Yes. You say, you're coming out of this. Yes. You're, you got the victory. Yes. It's time to build your life on God's promises. This is not a decoration. It's not a religion. It's you living life on planet earth. And, man, you need the promises of God. Nothing else is going to carry you. Nothing else can smash the warped philosophies that will bind you. Verse 26. But if you just use my words in Bible study, right? Are you are you a little Bible study Christian? You just go to a Bible study and then you, you know, and then you hang it on your wall and say, I did that. I'm a good Christian. No! We're in a vibrant relationship with the maker of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. And don't work them into your life. So you tell me you can go to church in a Bible study and not work God's promise. Yeah, absolutely. People doing it every week. And don't work them into your life. You are like a stupid carpenter. <laughs> That's just the message. I didn't write this. You're like, would you hire a stupid carpenter? Come on. Of course not. I mean, if you hired a carpenter to come and, and they needed to put the studs up in your wall and they need some nails and they pull out a chainsaw, right? Or they're trying to hammer, you know, a nail in with a screwdriver, Ed. Do you ever try and do that? You didn't have a hammer? It doesn't work very well, right? You're like a stupid carpenter. <laughs> uh, who built his house on the sandy beach. So not only is he a bad carpenter, he doesn't know where to lay a foundation. Right? So he's just, oh, boy, that's funny. Verse 27, when a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Wow, this is amazing. So we're not stupid carpenters. You're not a stupid carpenter. We hear God's word. We, we scour the Bible for promises. We're looking. When there's a promise in there, how do you know a promise when you see it? You'll know it's something God is saying, I want to do this in your life, right? Like 2 Peter, right? I've given you my precious and magnificent promises so that you can experience my nature, right? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Is a promise. Where's that one at? You know? John 15, 7 and 8. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This goes back to soul wars. I'm realizing we're in a war here, right? The enemy's trying to take us out. We need weapons. We need the promises of God. Hallelujah. So when I start working God's promises in my life, when I start making decisions based on who he is and what he's done for me and who I am in him, walls begin to rise in my life. Not bad walls, walls that protect me. 
like a, a barrier, a bulwark, begins to rise. In other words, God's promises are kind of like a force field or a bulletproof vest. Or a, a In other words, when I choose to believe in what God has done for me and I spend time meditating on that and I speak it over my life, I'm already determining what's acceptable and not acceptable in my life. So if darkness comes my way, I've already made up my mind that's not for me. And it's so good to have your mind made up before it comes. Because we're living in a dark world. So I'm strengthening myself. I'm I'm building a fortress in my life by meditating on his promises. Do you remember Psalm 91 4? Last scripture, then we'll wind it up. This is from Soul Wars. You guys remember this? His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Wow. I can't make it any plainer than that. So faith in his promises protects me in life. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this fulfilled in my life. Can't even begin to count them. That ahead of time, I put my faith in the promises of God. I meditated on them. I memorized them. We're not talking about works. We're not doing this to get to heaven or anything like that. We're talking about becoming strong. We're talking about building a house. Right? You would never say, well, a house is work. I don't want to build one. You build a house. Sure, it's work. But, man, is it worth it, right? It's great when you're watching the Patriots win their fifth Super Bowl in your living room, right? But it took work to build that house. They're going to win the fifth one, by the way. So don't think of this as works or, well, no, we're building a house. What kind of house do you want? Do you want a beautiful, strong home that people can come and find refuge in? Do you want to be a place where people can be set free and delivered, where people can come to your house, where people can come into relationship with you and meet the one who made them? Sure, it takes work, but man, is it worth it. Oh, is it worth it. Hallelujah. It takes effort. It takes, it takes a, a focused determination to know him. Because we're not living in a bubble. We're living in planet earth and there's all kinds of distractions and things trying to keep you from focusing on knowing him. But his promises are our powerful God tools that build his house into our lives. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Now, boy, we're going to have to stop. Well, I know it. I'll tell you, we got a whole lot more where that came from. All right. We're going to have to stop here. But listen, we're going to continue. We'll continue next Sunday. Um, God's promises cover the full spectrum of you. The full spectrum of you. Your spirit, your soul, your body, your finances, your relationships. God has you completely covered. But... His promises won't automatically happen in your life. You have to believe them. How are you going to believe them if you don't know them? Right? You've got to get them inside of you. So that's what we're going to do starting next Sunday. We're going to start with your spirit. We're going to go spirit, soul, body, finances. We're going to look at God's promises for your spirit. We want to see strong. When your spirit is strong, nothing can stop you. It's the most important part of you. We're going to go into your soul. We'll see how far we get next week. Probably just be spirit next week. But we'll, then after that, we're going to your soul. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. 
amazing. Depression is running rampant in the world. Amazing. People are trying to find an answer for depression. It's God's presence. In your presence is fullness of joy. I mean, I'm not faulting. Man's trying to fix things, and they're doing the best they can, but the reality is the fix is Jesus. Nothing can transform you like his presence. So we're going to get into your soul. The days of being depressed are over. It's time for the joy of the Lord to be the strength of your life. We're going to get into your body, physical healing, being made whole through faith in God's promises. No waiting required. No insurance required. I'm talking about just you and God, you putting your faith in what God has done for you and his healing power flowing through your body and your body being made well. Was it last week Jennifer came to me about the tightness in your chest and his congestion and said, would you pray for me? And I prayed for her and she came later in the day and said, oh, it's all gone. You know, it's all gone. Right? Hallelujah. It's time. It's time. We've got to wind up. All right. Father, we thank you for your promises. Lord, you held nothing back from us. You're not stingy in any way. You're not a penny pincher. You're a benevolent, generous Father. And you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Help us, Holy Spirit, to know your promises and to experience you. Help us to be smart carpenters and to build our lives on who you are, what you've done for us through Christ, and who we are in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.